up, everyone? Welcome in to another edition of Cheers from the Press Box. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif, joined, as always, by my good friend and counterpart all the way from Dallas, Texas, Joe Dorville. What's up, man? What's going on, Brennan Tassif? Nah, not much. If you're new to the show, I'll give you a quick rundown of the show. First thing Joe and I are going to do are break down some of the major topics in the major sports around the country. Then we'll get into the quick hits where we'll go over some extra topics, questions Joe and I have for each other, just some tertiary sports, all sorts of stuff. We'll do the walk off where Joe and I will have a short essay normally planned or a rant, a rave, or sometimes we'll just read someone else's work and give them full credit because we really like the article. And then, one time. The, <laughs> and then we will do the press conference where we will peddle our wares. But we're going to start this week the same way we do every week. Joe. Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Well, here we go. And that is discussing the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Boston Celtics have swept the series. Um, Joe. What did you take away from Boston, Brooklyn in the only sweep of the first round of the playoffs? The only sweep in the first round of the playoffs. I took away um, that I was right. <laughs> Just stop and appreciate how right I was. Um, now, I didn't call a sweep. I didn't call a sweep. And we never picked this game in actuality. But prior to the start of the postseason, Right before the playing games, I said Brooklyn will not make it past the second round. I said Brooklyn, they you have no that. cohesion. They haven't played together long enough. Didn't know if Ben Simmons was going to come back. News alert: He did it. Uh, looking like uh, Doug Funny's friend on the bench over there the other night. Um, and then. I didn't say Steve Nash can't coach, but God dang it. It showed that Steve Nash wasn't that great of a coach, but also that they lacked any presence in the middle. And that showed because whenever the Celtics needed a bucket, they just went to the rack. Al Horford had a God dang game. Yeah. Yeah. Al Horford looked like the Al Horford of old. We talked about that in game one or two. It was game one. I think he looked like 2014. 20 and 15 Uh, or something. Yeah, it was insane. Uh, I picked Boston as we talked about, and my picks are looking great. Boston and Golden State looking looking superb. Uh, but yeah, there's nothing to talk about. Kyrie Irving took no responsibility. Pretty much said that the team hadn't had time to gel. Well, whose fault is that? I mean, you totally do do you boo boo, but you can't <laughs> say you're ride or die and then be like, except when it actually comes to ride or die. Uh, and then uh, I don't know what's going to happen because KD is going to. Tell them to pay Kyrie. And if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I don't want to do that. Boston is rolling. Defense looks stout. Rob is coming back. Uh, Williams. So they're going to be even better. There's nothing else. I don't have anything else to say about this. Boston rolled Brooklyn. I have two things to say. One, Jason Tatum is a new pillar of the league. For him to come out and play the way he did offensively and also defensively when at the start of the season, I will I will remind people of this. At the start of the season, when Boston was 500 all the way up until about Christmas, I called for the trading of Jalen Brown because I was like, Tatum is the guy, and Brown, I don't know what's the reason they can't work. You can probably get some pieces for him. They put it all together, 
in that second half of the season to make this run to the number two seed. And they got Brooklyn, a team that everybody quote unquote feared going into the postseason, And they were able to sweep them right up out of there. Um, and Tatum got fouled out in this game and Brown was able to step up and they needed Brown in that moment. But the other thing I will say, hot take, hot talkie. Ben Simmons needs to retire. If you, oh, if the last game we saw you play was in a city you don't even play for anymore and you never put on a Nets jersey other than your photo opportunities when you got signed to the team so we can have green screen graphics that never got played because you never stepped out on the court and you're scared to shoot and your back hurts. What are we doing here, man? What? This guy obviously has no desire to go out there and play basketball. Uh, so would you say he doesn't love the game? He sat out an entire season for what we thought was to get traded. And then he got traded and he still continued to sit. And then an injury came out um, of nowhere, you, a back injury for a guy who nowhere. wasn't playing basketball. That's, um, do you think he's going to get I that? Thought Giannis I thought leg I heard, been backwards last year and he came back in two games. I know. I heard people talking about because it's a mental health issue and there's no way to kind of prove or disprove it. He's going to get that money from uh, Philadelphia. I don't think he's going to get that money. I don't think he'll get that money for the simple fact that that'll be insane if he gets it. It will be a terrible precedent because that's basically saying we have now unless he's able to prove some type of documentation some maybe some medication or something. There has to be a way to prove it can't just be you sitting out and you get rewarded for not doing your job. There has yeah, to be no, some I type of proven documentation and it can't be. I, I was so we never talked about it on the show, but I was so agitated when I heard about, oh, he's going to the Philly game so that the Philly fans could boom to make his case to the league that it was a hostile work environment. You're an opposing player now. They're going to boo you. Yeah. That's not good evidence. That's what they do. They're not going to go and say, hey, love you, man. Like, what the hell? Uh-oh. Give me a second. Give me a what second. Happened? I think it's lagging again because I just pulled it's up lagging. the screen and you're like three know. seconds behind. Yeah, I'm lagging. I don't care. It's hang fine. On, hang on. Give me a second. Oh, jeez. He's left now. Anyways. With this. You there? I'm here. You didn't stop recording, did you? No. All right, perfect. You're back on. Yeah, so that's the one thing that kind of blows my mind is the fact that he didn't play at all. And then he got there and they were like, oh, he'll be a defensive presence. They gave up Curry, Seth Curry for him, who was their big shooter, who like spaced the floor. And this was a whole thing. And then it just, he didn't play at all. The Nets got fleeced. It doesn't make any sense to me. The Nets got fleeced. The Nets made a trade of James Harden for Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Now, James Harden isn't, you know how I feel about James, but 
Yeah. The Nets got fleeced at the end of the day. Uh, we'll get to him. Yeah, we'll yeah, get to that. But the Nets got fleeced. But, you know. All right. You so, want to keep so going? Or what? You said you had two things. What's the other thing? Well, the two. Well, the first thing was Jason Tatum is a pillar of the NBA now going forward. He's a face of the oh, franchise. Yeah. He's I a forgot face about of, that. He's a face of the organization. He's a face of. The, You're just the fucking getting to this party, dude. We've been saying that for the whole fucking year, bro. Hold on. I've been saying that since before he got drafted. I had to remind my brother via text. I said, this guy should be the number one pick. And then Markel Fultz got picked up. We see how yeah, smart the people in Philadelphia are. Keys is fucking Christ. But anyways. Um, and then the second thing was Ooh, Ben Simmons. Like me fucking retire. By the way, Ben Simmons, same guy who didn't win anything in college. Couldn't even get a team to the NIT at LSU. Mind you. Quit. Great player. This guy's uh, two years in a row. I've been right. furious with this guy. Furious. Speaking of speaking of furious, we're going to move on to Phoenix, New Orleans. The Pelicans. Even this series. Even this series at two two. Your beloved Phoenix Suns. Booker's hurt. Yes. What's Chris Paul getting agitated out there? Chris Paul looking like he's going to hit somebody. Yeah, man. That Jose Alvarado What's happening? What's going on? A nuisance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look. He reminds me of Lance Stevenson. That is a good comp. That is a very good comp right there. Yeah. Um, Remember look, the, the ear blow? <laughs> Do I? Um <laughs> Chris Paul in at his at his age, um, he you can't count on him to bring it every single night at the level that he did the game prior. Um, now he should obviously have more than four points and shoot more than eight times. But the game prior, he went crazy in the fourth quarter, having nineteen points, and ended that game with I want to say like thirty eight points. Um, but especially now with Booker out, you know a lot of the there's a lot on his play as far as you know having to distribute and when to take over and whatnot. And other guys have to step up. It's not going to be all on him. Cam Johnson was four of twelve from the field. Mikael Bridges was four of eleven. Those guys have to make and hit shots. They were twenty five percent from three. They only made seven threes in that entire game the other night. Um, and on the other side, man, CJ McCollum getting to New Orleans, man. If they can convince Zion to actually stay and roll with this squad they got now that's a force to be reckoned with man um i i sh- i didn't eh, i shitted on brandon ingram earlier this year saying that he had to play better early in the year when they started off like oh and 10 i was like you were a top 10 top five pick um you have to show out at some point and he has come into his own in that back half of the season especially after cj got there um his game has expanded and i mean he's dropped 30 in back to back games i believe and they took two games um i still think phoenix will walk away with this just because of more playoff experience um again this is brandon ingles first time the only person with actual like legit deep playoff experience is cj um i'm not going to count larry dance jr i'm not going to count valentinas um so, yeah, I think Phoenix will pull it off, but New Orleans is giving them all they can chew right now. Um, I wanted to bring this up because you mentioned the Zion piece of this and a couple of things I wanted to say about this. So the McCollum thing, I was like, oh, why would you trade for CJ? Like he's always been kind of second fiddle to Dame. Like this doesn't make any sense. Zion's out for the year. Like this team isn't going anywhere. This seemed like if this was the old days before the play-in game, this seemed like a perfect candidate for a tanking team. 
And now I've f- totally flipped on this. CJ's playing really well, kind of showing what he can do, kind of leading that team. Brandon Ingram's playing way better than we had expected, especially at the beginning of the season. And they don't have Zion. So I want to throw this out to you. Mm. Do I, you let me maybe say, let me say one thing go to fast. Detroit? Let me say one thing real fast before you ask this question. Um, it, because you brought up the tanking aspect. And that's why the play in is, I want to, I think, is super important and super vital going forward because this is a team that they started 0 10 to start the season and they're in the playoffs yep. now. Whereas before yep. they they're, could call they're it doing a day. Well. People thought they were going to get swept. <laughs> exactly. Before you thought they'd call it a day at the trade deadline, they were like, we can make a move to make a run. A team that was dead in the water, we assume, thought they could make a run to the playoffs, and they did, and they have. So that's why the playing game is a game changer. Um, but go ahead, what you were going to say? I was just going to say, thinking about this, Detroit's going to have a top four pick. So would you think about, instead of paying Zion Williamson, especially with how deep this draft is, just dump him? Before you have to give them the max extension as, you know, the rookie max extension to a team like Detroit, pick up a couple players, a couple assets, and then a top four draft pick in this draft that's incredibly deep. And then you run with the team you've already had in the playoffs. Zion hasn't been there all year. And these other players, Brendan Ingram is showing you what he is as a top five pick. Like, just get another top five pick and run with it. Like, rebuild. So this goes back to something we'll talk about a couple times on this episode you believing in the draft and me not believing in the draft. Um, there's far more busts than there are competent players that come out. There's no star studded player that is like a can't miss this year. And Zion when healthy last year had averaged 27 points on 60% shooting. Yeah. I was going to say a shooting percentage was off the wall, but did you <laughs> see him? Did you see him on the sideline? He looks yeah. like a Sasquatch. He's gigantic. You get him with the trainers in the offseason. He's coming back from injury, so he hasn't been able to train. You work his ass every day and make him earn the paycheck that he's going to get because he's going to get the Supermax because they're not the Supermax, but he's going to get a max contract because they're not going to. You can't build a franchise in a place and let the marquee player get away. You get the first overall pick. You got to. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is he the marquee player now? Yes. You sign him to that match 30 games in. He could pull an Anthony Davis and say, I want to get out of here. Brennan, he's the marquee player. And the only reason Anthony Davis could do that was because he was on the last year of that deal. He had two years left. Anthony Davis did not have two years left. All right. All right. I'm just saying, instead of dumping all that money into Zion, who could leave at any time, which we've seen with the contracts nowadays, why not get someone who desperately wants to be there? I mean, Zion hasn't even been training at all. There's stuff you can yes, do has, when you're he hurt. He has, he has, he has. There's narratives going around. He's been around the team. Right. They put out videos. He doesn't of him look like it. I just saw that. I, and whatnot. I saw that screenshot of him on the sideline and I was like, holy God. Yeah, no. I mean, it's harder to get cardio when you have a foot injury, but he's he's doing basketball related no, activities. Right. So yeah. I just wanted to give my hot take about uh, maybe trade Zion before you sign him to that big deal. All right, here we go. Yeah. Got to sign him. All right, Brennan, is this game done yet? Is it uh, yeah, it's done? been done since the second quarter. All right, yeah, no, it's not really officially. Like 
Um, so yeah, the next game, uh, now a three two series. No going to call it right. Oh, you're right. Sorry. That's what I was waiting for. My bad. There that's, we go. That's how you talk. Oh, right. So this, now this I was going to drop the sound. I just play it over. I know, you. but that's why I paused <laughs> this time. So when we originally did the rundown, you had this at two two, but uh, we're talking about Utah da- Jazz, Dallas Mavericks. But this game, it, right now, in the five minutes left in the fourth, the Mavericks are up by twenty four points. So I think it's safe to say this game is over, baby. Bro, no, Lucas is safe, back. But, Dinwiddie mm. has completely. Yeah, especially in this current NBA. Dinwiddie has kind of fell into his role. So did Brunson. They kind of held everything together with Luka out with that calf strain. Luka's first game back was the last one, game four, and he looked like a turnstile, but he's playing much better. I think Dallas takes this series. I'm sick of Utah in the playoffs. I've been sick of them since I said they peaked too early last year. Joe, what are you taking away from this? Um, Luka is the real deal offensively. Turnstile defensively there. We've learned that they are far better team defensively with him out. Um, That's how they are able to capture those first two (laughs) games. We did learn that, which is funny because (laughs) you would never think that about a fucking all NBA superstar, but it's like, actually like, man, they really put it on defensively and they were able to find those points. Um, Because that's the thing about the NBA. I, I I heard about this and learned about this a long time ago. The points will come They're They're, all those oh, players yeah. are very good. The points will come now. The difference is the effort and the defense. Are those still going to be there when you don't have a, say, superstar caliber player or you're a bad team? Um, but they have the defense and they had people to put up the points. Jalen Brunson uh, had phenomenal games along with Spencer Dinwiddie holding that t- all together with duct tape and glue. Um, Lucas, Lucas, the man, Lucas has 30 right now, 30 and 12. In the full, late in the fourth quarter, I mean, this game is dunzo. Um, I'm more interested at this point to see, you know, the rallying cry the Knicks are going to do to try to trade for Donovan Mitchell. Because I don't know if you know, but he's from New York. His dad works for the Mets. So, yep. The yep. New York fan base yeah, is Donovan's got to be go out of there. Crazy. Because him and Rudy don't get along, and they haven't gotten along for a couple of seasons now. They Donovan's got to be on his way out. I don't know why he has to be on his way out. But by the way, another rant right now. Uh, this is the night of rants right now. I had a conversation with somebody a couple of years ago. Now this doesn't look good because Jamal Murray's currently hurt. But somebody asked me, "Would I rather have Jamal Murray or Donovan Mitchell?" I said, "Jamal Murray in a heartbeat." Jamal they Murray. Said, you're crazy. Yeah. This is, I, this is at hesitation. like peak Donovan Mitchell. This is before the playoff of 2020. This is, he's on his ascension. He's on his rise at this point. And I was like, the reason I would want Jamal Murray over Donovan Mitchell is because Jamal Murray is a by far more efficient scorer. He's by far more efficient scorer, better from three. And he's a bigger body, bigger frame. Even if nobody is very few guards at this point, are great defensively, especially if you're a scorer. But he's bigger. He can stay in front of somebody. Donovan Mitchell is barely 6'2". I think he's like 6'1". And he gets four toasted, eights. dude. He can't guard worth a lick. He's a volume scorer. His team is basically built on defense, and they just say, hey, you shoot as much as you can and try to, try to get as much points as you can, basically, because no one else here can try to get their own shot. Right now in this game through in this game five, I'm sorry, he is four fifteen from the field, zero for seven from three. 
two boards, one assist, one steal. Minus 37. He can't create for anybody other than himself. He's a phenomenal scorer. He's a fun person to watch. But on your team, he is frustrating. And the Knicks fans are going to ask for this, and they may get it, and then they're going to hate him after about 16 games. Oh, they're going to get what they deserve, like they always do. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing I want to put, I want to point this out about the Jamal Murray piece. Uh, everything you said, obviously, is true and accurate. You're a big Denver fan, so I know you know what you're talking about. But the other thing I would put out there, too, is the Dinwiddie Marcus Smart syndrome that we've been talking about all playoffs. Jamal Murray knows his position on that team. Mm-hmm. And we see it with other teams where there are guys, and I would put, I would put certain players in this category. There are guys who think... I'm the best player in the fucking NBA. Get out of my way. But we saw Marcus Smart do this for years, seven years. And we're like, what, what is happening right now? And then all of a sudden they get into this thing where they're like, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do exactly what the team asks me to do. And we'll see what happens. Donovan Mitchell, like you said, he's a volume scorer. He knows he can score with anybody. The problem is when you're on a team that's built around you scoring that much, you automatically get this twisted point of view of like, this is my house. This is my team. When in reality, it's like, actually, bro, you can't be the best player on a championship team. We've seen that year in and year out. They were the number one seed last year. They, they peaked too early. And they got bounced and we're seeing it again this year. That's why I don't, that's why I said it's obvious he's on his way out because I think Utah, if you had to pick who you're going to ride with either this defensive core or with Donovan Mitchell, you're going to pick Rudy Gobert and the rest of the defensive core versus a I mean, high I'd volume score, which are a dime a dozen in the NBA. I'd go with Donovan Mitchell because he's younger and he's more box office. He can sell more tickets with him, but I get your point. Yeah. I just like Jamal Murray because he knows that it's Joker. It's Joker's team, but he's 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 there to fucking win a championship with him. Well, it's the crazy team. thing it's was, we, we didn't know it was Joker's team until it became Joker's team because Joker yeah. was a second round pick that came on like a little late, whereas Jamal was a first round pick out of Kentucky. He was supposed to be the guy, and um, I want to say even in his first year, I don't even. He may have been starting, but we may have drafted a point guard like the year prior as well. I think we still had Emmanuel Mudiay. Um, so it wasn't a hundred percent. We thought he was going to be a two guard and that he ended up becoming the point guard. And then the way Jokic ascended Jamal was like, Oh, this is a tag team. He instantly knew like, Oh, this is a tag yeah. team. This is not a one man show. But that's, that's my point is it didn't take seven years. Like it did with Marcus Smart. It didn't take three teams. Like it did with Dinwiddie. It was just yeah. like, okay, I see what's happening here. Let's go. He's a very, very intelligent, very character driven kind of guy. And I would say, um, not to give Coach Cal credit, but I think that it helped that he was in that system of Kentucky where in that day and age, and they're still doing it to a NBA degree style now where system. they just grab five best players. Hey, let's all play sacrifice for the team kind of thing. Yeah. So kind of already coming with that mentality. It doesn't take that much to readjust. And he got paid. So Absolutely. Give me a second here. Sorry. Mouse is acting funny. All right. You have this in the main rundown. We're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves series tied at 2-2. Next game is tomorrow. Check your local listings. 7.30 on Tuesday. But, Joe, let's get into it. 
What's what the hell is happening right now? We thought this. We I, I can speak for me. I thought this would be one of the most obvious sweeps of the series. The Timberwolves it seemed like limped in. Cat happy for him, but it seems like every other game he's tremendous, and then every other game he kind of like disappears. Anthony Edwards had a huge showing in the first couple of games, and then kind of hasn't been as big. What is what is Memphis was the 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 darlings of this season. What is ha- what are. is happening? Um, youth, youth, and presence inside. Um, Memphis, Minnesota is playing a very physical brand of basketball. So, and John Moran, who's gets most of his points inside, he's getting banged. All right, he's getting banged to the point where banged. He's, he's looking a little gun shy to take it to the rack every time, and he's looking to pass. But in this previous game, honestly, I think the issue was like. Uh, Coach Taylor Jenkins said it was the foul disparity. There were foul calls that were just insane. If you look at the starting lineup for the Grizzles, only one person doesn't have five fouls. Everyone else in the starting lineup yeah, what has did they five say? It was like fouls. Forty-two to sixteen so far in this series. Yeah, it's like insane. So the refereeing, and I'll talk about refereeing later. Um, the refereeing was just absurd. Um, I think uh, there was a there was a moment in the game and it, it changed literally. I think I can't remember who was calling the game, but they called it that this is the moment that's literally going to change the game. Oh, uh, it was Ryan Rucco and um, Richard Jefferson. And the same thing happened last year, too. And it frustrated the fuck out of me where somebody uh, Patrick Beverly did to Chris Paul last year. This time it was um, I think Anthony Edwards did it to Jaron Jackson Jr. where they're going for the steal. They hit the person's hand and the ball goes out of bounds. Now, in every pickup game, in every NBA game, you fouled me, but the ball went out of bounds. So we're just going to call it out on you. But now, last year and this year, what they did was they went to the replay booth and went frame by frame and reversed their initial call of out on the other person and just said it's out on that person. And Ryan Rucco pointed out that in the WNBA, which is coming back soon, guys, in the WNBA, if they go back and look at it, and if the ball's out on you because you were fouled, they will call it a foul. They will reverse it and say, hey, you got fouled. Whereas in the NBA, that does not happen. It's just now out on Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, Minnesota goes down. Cat has a three to go up by like five or seven. Pretty much the ball game after that. Yeah, I saw this. Um, I saw a lot of the highlights towards the end of this game. And it's bizarre because I knew the Timberwolves won. But when I was watching the highlights from the last game, I was like, wait, how did Memphis lose this? They were up like seven with like three minutes left or four minutes left or something. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it was just bang, bang, and it's over. Uh, I did want to bring this up. I believe uh, the Grizzlies listen to the podcast because Tillman is now the starter at center. That is a lot of J, uh, Triple J in there. Yes, uh, they've kind of gotten away from the Stephen Adams things because he was, I mean, he's their top rebounder, but he's just, he's getting torched out there. So yeah, they, they moved away from him. Uh, Tillman's more, a little smaller, a little more athletic, uh, younger. But um, yeah, Memphis, 
Memphis wins this series, right? We can both. We, we've got yeah, that. Yeah, I still think Memphis pulls this out. This is the series. This is a series that Memphis needed because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still a young team. This is only their second time in the postseason in this iteration. And last year, it was a clean sweep. Um, yeah. You got to get, get your shit they, rocked a little bit. I think they played Utah last year. They were the first seed. Um, one eight seed. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think they definitely – still will pull their series out. They just need, you know, abilities, a bit of these learning lumps along the way. Uh, I think Ja will definitely get it right going forward. Desmond Bain, crazy first half, kind of cooled off in the second half. Um, this was really a four-point game. He had a shot at the buzzer to end the game. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, Memphis had every opportunity to win this game, even despite playing against the Zebras as well. So, uh I definitely Utah think Utah won that series four one last yeah, year. Yeah, four one. Okay, so yeah, gentlemen sweep. Yeah, gentlemen sweep. All right, Memphis Brendan. won. The, yeah, because Memphis won the first game and then it was out of there. Mm. One more round. All right, we're gonna burn through these one more rounds. Philly uh, is still up to Toronto, but now they're only up three two. Toronto beat them by fifteen eighty eight to one hundred three uh, in Toronto. I've got. I mean, Embiid's hurt. His thumbs all fucked up. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with his Philly team. Harden's not playing the way he is. I know you said you had some things you wanted to say. So is he not? Is he not? (laughs) Did I not say James Harden comes postseason will shrink? And I said it. People got so excited about. Tyrese Maxey going off in game one, and I believe game two. Oh, for three from three in this one. Five for 14 in this one. It's not sustainable. Tobias Harris is getting paid like a gajillionaire, and he can't give you more than 20 points. All right. This team is flawed. Sometimes if you tell me Tobias Harris is on this team, I forget. I forget every time. The only reason I remember is because. Him and Doc were, uh, he had, Doc had him in Los Angeles for a bit, and Doc only gets players that he's played against, he lost to, or he played with, or played with for him. So that's the only type of players he gets. So, yeah, I'm not stunned that this has gone to 3-2, especially because of the Embiid injury. If not for the Embiid injury, I think they'd be fine, honestly. But his thumb is obviously in more pain than, in a ton of pain, not more pain than we think because we already know he's getting surgery after the season. And the issue again, they have no bench. You know what this team Rick really looked good with? A uh, Seth Curry or Seth Andre Curry. Drummond. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they couldn't have that all those things helpful. and keep James Harden at this point. But And Matisse Thibault, the funny thing about this game is Matisse Thibault has a terrible game. Um, and he's not an offensive player at all. He's more of a defensive player. But now they go back to Toronto and he can't even play in that game because, again, he's not vaccinated. So he got one shot and chose not to get the second. Like, what the fuck? Are you, why are you going to half ass this, you idiot? Um, sorry, I shouldn't call it idiot. The action is idiotic, not the person. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah. Cover your bases. Yeah, you got to be fair and all that. I'm going to the mouse pad. The mouse is bugging today. One more All right, Miami, Atlanta. Atlanta steals one uh, a couple games ago, so it's 3-1. Miami's going to pull the series out. There's nothing really to talk about. This team in Atlanta has not 
performed up to what their expectations were, especially going into the season when you go, oh, last year they were got to the conference finals, but they're a young team. They're going to learn from it. They have they don't look very good. Uh, Trey obviously is doing Trey things, superb offensive player, but this team just cannot hang with Miami. I thought this would be a sweep, but Miami's going to take this. Miami's going to take this um, in the last. Yeah. Four, in the, in the, in two of the four games that have already taken place, Trey Young did not get over 10 points. Miami has a smothering it's defense. Insane. They're just locking them down. They have a smothering yeah. defense. They have so many bodies that they can just throw at him where he can never get comfortable as he wants to be. Even in the games he scored well, it wasn't with great shooting. Like they've just made this all ways of uncomfortable for him. And yeah, it's it's showing. I gotta press the button again. I forgot. One more row. We'll get that button ready again, Chips. I in Milwaukee, Chicago. I don't I don't Man. Chicago played like Played like champs at the beginning of the season. Had some injuries, kind of fell apart. Your uh, favorite player, Grayson Allen, is just kind of taking them to school, taking them to the woodshed from Milwaukee. So, yeah, Chris Middleton got hurt, and uh, that led to an injection of Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen is showing us who he can be if he wasn't such of a you know thug out there on the basketball. Sorry, if his actions weren't as Michael Wilbon puts it. His actions weren't thuggish. Sorry, let me correct that. But um, oh no, yeah, he's, he's a straight thug. He's a goon. <laughs> Every day is Halloween, baby. In Grayson Allen's household, what we saw when he was at Duke in that freshman year, and he helped them win the national championship. But then after that, he just kept resorting to thuggery. So we never got to see that player again. Um, Remember when he tripped that guy yeah. at Florida State? He tripped like a thousand guys, Brennan. That's the issue. He 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 shot Caruso in the back earlier this season. I know they booed the shit out of him, but Caruso did come back during this series, and this team is a different team with Alex Caruso. And like you said, Middleton's hurt, so we'll see where it goes. I want to talk about the next game unless you have anything else. All right, my games. So the Golden State Warriors, as predicted by me here on this program. Are lose to dominating the Denver Nuggets. The Denver right? Nuggets. Yeah. Well, what they did, they did lose. So Denver, they, they wanted Denver to pull. You know, <laughs> they wanted to make it interesting, make it fun. Thought this would be a clean sweep, especially with Denver missing two of their key players. Uh, the Joker willed them to a victory in Denver. So the series is now three one. I think Golden and State gets Morris. the next game. Um, and it's over. Yeah, I'm sorry, Monte Morris did play well. Bones uh, the series Sound the bones is and over, Marcus baby. Cousin. And the Marcus cousin, don't sleep on Demarcus. And Aaron Gordon, oh God, don't, Demarcus, don't sleep on Aaron Gordon. Yeah, you know? uh, can't guys. just name the roster. Let's go. We're going <laughs> yeah. to baseball. A lot of guys contributed to that one victory. Um, Warriors still the scariest team because we were up by a good bit, and within two threes, it was like, holy hell, how did that happen that fast? They had like 10 shots and like two shots somehow. Um, and yeah, it got scary, it was, got hairy. Joker made a great play towards the end of the game and uh, hit Will Barton for a quarter. Why did you feel when they took him out for the offense defense? Um, I got it. He, I got it. I understood it. Well, because I really, 
I saw a highlight where they were focused on Joker when they took him out and he goes, it's a lob. It's a lob. Yeah. It's a, and it was a lob. And it's like, why, why did you even take him out? Like he's still doing it. Yeah. I mean, look, you had the right personnel on the floor still though. Yeah, that's true. All right. Then, all right. Let's get out of here. Talking MLB, only a couple things to hit on. If you watch, if you're not living under a rock, you already know what's up. Kyle Schwarber, your man, uh, had a little dust up with one of the umpires. Angel Hernandez. Apparently the strike zone was a little, yeah, was a little, was a little big. So much so that the Brewers manager even said so. Uh, The team they were playing against. Who does Schwarber play for? Uh, Schwarber is now a Philly Okay, yeah, because he was playing for the Cubbies for a long time. Uh, He was a Cubby, then he ended up in Washington, then he ended up in Boston, got shipped up to Boston, and now he's in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, so he got very upset. Uh, Michael Wilbon uh, talked about how he knows him personally, and he's not a very angry guy. He's pretty cool, calm, and collected. He was not with uh, Angel. What would you say, Valentinez? No, no, Hernandez. Hernandez, sorry. I was for some reason I was thinking Valentunas because I was just looking at his stats. <laughs> Angel Hernandez, he was very, very upset with him. Uh, raised his bat above his head, started slamming it in the ground, screaming through his helmet. Uh, yeah. So this begs the question, Joe. Do you think it's time for the robo umps we've been hearing so yes. much about the last couple of years? Yes, it is, Brennan. Um, because of people okay. like Angel Hernandez who can't get the strike zone right, as Swarber said, you're calling it high, you're calling it low, you're calling it inside, you're calling it outside, you're calling it wrong for both sides. He said teams. all day. <laughs> you're calling it wrong for both, both sides. Teams, all day. It? You're on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what are you doing? So there's just, uh, he's taken the torch of Joe West as so far as just horrible umpire. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're testing it right now in the minors where, you know, the strike zone is the strike zone. Uh, it's adjusted for each player. And then you still have an ump back there to call balls and strikes to have the human element there. But they're not deciding because, you know, it's hard to be behind somebody and tell where a pitch is when it's coming 98 miles an hour. And you have the catchers yeah. finagling it with the, you know, they're getting their cool little snaps in there and whatnot, framing the pitches and all that good jazz. Um, now it will hurt because yeah, they'll move. Yeah. It'll hurt uh, catchers because that's like a really big thing um, when, you know, framing pitches and whatnot and that robo ump situation kind of remove that element. But what it will do is put the ball back in play because you can't, paint around the out you can't paint around the outer edges and just get gifted calls like we saw calls last year i can't remember who was playing i know san francisco was one of the teams and it might have been a postseason game that ended on a horrendous pitch that was far outside that got called a strike and it's so far so bad that i don't other even watch team, baseball and i remember that because that was all over everything yeah i think the dodge i think they were playing the dodgers and the dodgers were even like holy shit <laughs> so yeah yeah because yeah, there was all that talk about like should they go back and play the last inning and all this kind of stuff yeah it, it's just like so much um can be corrected by it and you just want it to be a good fix and not a quick fix so 
Um, they're still doing case studies in the minors, but I mean, if we learn anything about baseball, they'll take their fucking sweet time because they're still taking their time with the whole pitch clock thing. So they're not implementing it the way that's supposed yeah. to be implemented fully. So I just wanted to say, cause I, like I said, I don't watch a ton of baseball, but I did have something to say about this. If your entire job or part of one of your skill sets is faking out the umpire in a sport of that's, you know, supposed to be athletics that, that pisses me off. So I'm all for the robo. You know what I mean? It's like when well, I mean, your guy Harden and Trey and all those guys were who say again, was it your boy Marcus smarts, a big fan of that. Well, that's what I was going to say is like when those guys like Harden and those guys, like you were flopping so much two seasons ago and then they tried to change it this past year. It's one of those things where it's like, that's not just play the fucking game. And so I actually like the fact that it's going to be harder for catchers, nearly impossible for catchers to be able to uh, uh, fucking frame the pitch. Frame, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. God, my brain's been off lately. Frame pitches and stuff like that. So I, I'm all for this. Nap, buddy. Anyway, nobody cares what I have to say because I don't watch a lot of baseball. So moving on. Speaking of New York City, dude. Welcome to New York City. Joe, the fans of New York City. They are terrible, Brennan. Uh, can you speak for your people? They lost their minds. So <laughs> for those of you listening, the Cleveland Guardians were playing in the Bronx against the New York Yankees. And who was the player that got into it with the fans? Um, there were two instances, so I don't remember any of the player's name because I do not know any of the Guardians, sorry, uh, outside of, I don't even know. I thought it was Smart. Was wasn't it a player named Smart? Well, that's interesting. I don't know. Um, so one player ran into the uh, the videos board out there and was a little shaken up, and the player and the fans kind of started booing him, jeering him in some kind of way. And it's like, the guy just got hurt. What are you doing? But then the second instance was uh, the Yankees hit a walk off, hit a walk off single double. They hit a walk off into somewhere into straw, Miles Straw. Okay, and then the Yankee fans proceed to start throwing things at the Guardian outfielders and yelling at them, and it it turns into a crowd versus the players situation to the point where even the Yankee players run out there to defend the Cleveland players because like the fuck are you throwing shit out onto the field like this is not how you celebrate us just winning like what is this um so I I just wanted to get your thoughts on how our fans I don't I'm so confused at just like entitled fans at this point like when I go to sporting events I can't stand it. Even even if it's my team, I, I normally end up going to sporting events that aren't my team because, well, I've gone to Marlins Atlanta game because I was living in different cities, but I don't boo. I'm not a booer. I just watch the game. I just like to watch the game yeah, and I'm I like the same to way. cheer. So, yeah, I like to cheer for my team. I'm not really, I'm the same way. I'm not really a booer of the other team. I'd rather cheer for my team. This is exactly what happened. So uh, Trash... Flew in from the bleachers in right field as the Yankees celebrated their walk-off victory, sparking a chaotic and scary altercation. Minutes earlier, and over in left field, Guardians outfielder Miles Straw climbed the fence to confront a heckler in the stands, which is kind of what sparked everything. Well, that so was after this the is, other outfielder ran into the wall. Then that guy jumped yeah. up there. Yep. So this is something that's insane to me. Like you said, when I go to a game, it's to watch my team and cheer for my team. It's not to boo the other team. So to throw trash on the field, I like 
PTI was talking about it earlier today. Like you should find out who those fans were and just ban all of them. Like that's yeah. not acceptable. That's behavior. Unacceptable. I would rather, I would rather people fear coming into my stadium because the cheering was so loud versus being afraid to come into the stadium because like the fans are crazy. Like that's fucking stupid. That's dumb. That's like a seventies, eighties kind of mindset. Like that's not, that's not how games are won. Yeah, and it's, it, it's it's just, literally, it's not how the game was won. In fact, the Yankees players were pissed off about it. Like, it's yeah, stupid. Exactly. It's just, I just don't under, I mean, I understand the concept of booing, but I just don't know why. Like, it doesn't make you feel good. Like, the one time booing is no. okay. The one time booing is okay is when Aaron Boone decides to walk Miguel Cabrera as he's on pace to hit his 3,000th hit in that game. And then you know what? Fuck Aaron Boone. I'm sorry. Quite frankly, I'm just going to say it flat out there. But that's the thing is it's one thing like I, I would even appreciate like when, when fans boo their own team, that's one thing. I don't have a problem with that because it's your team. But my whole thing is like, why would you pay money to go somewhere to talk shit to somebody? It's like the same thing that happens with hecklers at comedy shows. It's like you paid to be here. Like, why are you talking shit? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just weird. I tried to segue us right into Mickey talk, but you kind of just walked over. Yeah, positive, positive, positive feelings. Miggy, as you put it on the rundown. Miguel Cabrera. He's One of our favorite me. players here on the show. Yeah. Hit his 3,000th hit. hit. I, uh, I was super excited. Joe, we talked about this last week. We knew it was coming. Anything you took away other than being super stoked for Miggy? Um, super happy for Miggy. Got his 3,000 hit. He's having a hell of a season. I'm trying to pull up his slashes right now. Um, I know he's hitting at least over 300. He's having a, a bit of a resurgence at like 38 years of age. Uh, give me one second to pull these up. He's definitely a DH now. Let's call him a first baseman. All right. Miguel Cabrera for this season is hitting. Where the heck am I looking? Where the heck is it? Okay. Hitting 319. Hitting 319 Dang. at 39 years of age. Hasn't hit a homer. Has five RBIs, 739 OPS. Um, not slugging much, but hitting 319. He had a three-hit game prior to the game where Aaron Boone decided to walk him. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's trippy. Uh, flashing back, I mean, what, 19 years to when he was when he got his first hit in a Marlins uniform, which was a walk-off home run. <laughs> In his first at bat ever, well, not his first at bat, but in his first hit. So, all these years, fast forward, and he's had numerous triple crowns. There's like mad crazy stats. He's like on a list of his own as far as hitting one of the best right handed hitters in the game ever. Um, I think he's like the 23rd or 27th player to ever get to 3,000. But if you narrow it down based on 3,500 homers, 600 RBIs, three, two or three triple crowns, two or three MVPs. Like he's a one of one type of player. And it sucks that, you know, when they had that, uh, that murderer's row of him and uh, pitching, they had, um, they had, uh, what's my guy's name? Ah, he's in New York now. Brennan, what's his name? Steven, not Steven. Oh, um, oh man, I love him. 
Max Scherzer. Good they had Max Scherzer. They had Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, Max Scherzer. Um, there it is. <laughs> yeah, they had Jordan Zimmerman. They had Justin Verlander, and they couldn't get that elusive title. They ran into San Francisco when San Francisco was winning every two years. Um, that was the one for them to capture. They couldn't get it. But, man, Miguel Cabrera, hell of a career. It's not over, obviously. He's hitting 319 right now. Um so yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch the rest of the season and see if he can get a couple more milestones on that career. But a full career, a definite Hall of Famer, never had an inkling or a hint of any steroid allegation, which makes my heart uh warm. And even if he did, I wouldn't care. No, steroids are better for the game, anyways. But um, yeah, man, uh, it's been a wonderful watch for sure. Two thousand three Marlins Perfect. World Series, but just throwing it out there. Yeah, that jersey. I don't think it's from 2003 World Series year, but you know, I do have a jersey. Yeah, we'll say it is. All right, <laughs> moving on. NHL recap. Just real quick, I want to touch on my Tampa Bay Lightning. One three in a row, including beating your Ice Cats down pretty good. Eight thank to you. four. What was that you were saying about uh, thank you. not giving up all those points uh, no, Brendan, all the thank time? You. Uh, yeah, but you, sometimes, you know, we were on a 13-game win streak, Brendan. We needed... You did us a favor. You did us a solid. You to bring you down a little you bit. Did yeah, us a solid because I was. We could. We weren't. So the Avalanche stopped playing their players. Basically, they benched their players. They're gearing. They're getting ready for the postseason, and they're also not trying to get the Presidents Cup. We're gonna end up with the Presidents Cup. It's pretty. Yeah, much I wanted to throw that out there. Point. You are leading by quite a bit, and that's yeah. never good for NHL well, playoffs. We got them by four. And the problem was we weren't going to sit our players because we were still on this winning streak. So we needed the winning streak to end. So when I saw you guys up 5-3 at a certain point, I was like, thank God they can end this winning streak. We can rest some of our guys so we're not killing ourselves before we get into the postseason. And Brennan, I will have you know that eight teams have won the President's Cup and won the Stanley Cup playoffs, Stanley Cup finals. All right. We're looking to make it nine. How long has hockey been around? With this has been since the President Trophy's been in the NHL. It's been like thirty three years. So eighteen to thirty three years, still good odds. Okay, that's not bad. I thought still you were going to say odds. like one hundred and ten. No, not one hundred and ten. I think it came over. It's weird. It came over like in ninety in twenty seven, nineteen twenty seven. But somehow it's still. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways. Eight teams have done it. We're going to be the ninth. We have two. We were too good to fail at this point. All right. I won't allow so you. So when you guys smirk. lose in the first round, are you think, do you think they're going to say, oh, to is say that, anything otherwise, Brennan? Do you think, do you think they're going to say it was that 13 game win streak that really tired the players out? That's really why you lost in the first round. Really, really fucked us up. <laughs> oh. All right. Let's go to the quick hits. And you'll be surprised how quick and quick Mayman hits quick hit. All right, oh, we're going to be quick about this. about this. Debo Samuel. <laughs> Debo Samuel uh, demanding a trade, talking about he's no longer going to be in San Francisco. Uh, lots of, he hasn't given a flat out reason as to why. Uh, some people think he just wants the bag. He wants to get paid because he's still on his rookie deal. Other people think it's because of the way that Kyle Shanahan uses him as not only a wide receiver, but also out of the backfield as a running back. Lots of short passes where he has to get himself fucking killed trying to gain extra yards. Anyway, bottom line is Debo Samuel wants out. Uh, I think it's going to be the Jets. That's where a lot of the talk is leading. They've got the draft capital. They've got the cap space. Uh, plus, it's a very Jets kind of a move. 
So that's what I think. Quick, Joe, what do you think? Um, I think definitely because of uh, I think this is a very Jimmy Graham situation where he's getting played at two positions. So can you pay me for both? Can you compensate me correctly for playing both those decisions? And the team is probably not going to do it because that's not in the best interest of the team. There's um, no way. That's not how the world works. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Grant. Well, in the case of Jimmy Graham, he was tight end. They split him out wide over 50% of the time. So it's like, can you pay me like a wide receiver? And they just said no. And the league said no. He went to arbitration. Yeah, they said no. Exactly. You're still a tight end. How many times have I, I mean, I've worked in restaurants pretty much my whole life. How many times am I busing? They asked me to wash dishes and then like see tables. And I'm like, wait, I'm just getting paid as a busser here. Like what the yeah. fuck is happening? I, yeah. I understand Devo. I get you, man. I trust I'm me. With when, you. I was in, when I was in college, my first year working at Dunkin' Donuts and I was basically the shift manager, but they weren't paying me the shift manager. So I, I organized a, a coup if you will um, oh, me, no. and, me and my two other night shift workers who I basically was in charge of I was like hey you're off tomorrow and you're off tomorrow and then we all just didn't come into work and guess who got that raise in two days off um, Joe so did yeah, yeah. so, I, I, so yeah, I think this is something Debo. a lot of people can relate to Debo is going to get paid uh, the only issue not even issue the only kind of concern I would have is he's going to go to a team who's going to pay him and they're going to pay him whatever he wants, you know, i.e. a la Deshaun Watson, like you give him whatever he wants because he's that talented, but they're going to use him the way that Kyle Shanahan is using him. He's a powerful, strong, like break tackle kind of receiver. Well, he's not a fly down the field guy. They're going to, well, there's two uh, train of thoughts. It could be one, he wants to only play receiver or two. If I'm going to play both, pay me for playing both. Now, I feel like if he does that, knowing wherever he goes and does that, he's going to get compensated. He's going to get guaranteed money in a way where he'll be comfortable enough to where, hey, the tips may fall football. We understand. I feel like he's doing this. He's demanding this uh, trade and this money uh, for the fact that he's on the last year of a rookie deal. Like you said, he was a second round player. So yeah. there's no fifth year option to hold you to. So it's kind of the he's same only way like where 3 million. it's kind of the same way where Dak, his contract came up sooner than say a Baker Mayfield because of a lower round pick. So I can hold your feet to the fire sooner so I think this actually works to some players' benefits in this case with Debo Samuel. So um, he's going to get guaranteed. He's going to get taken care of. And, I mean, he's going to understand yeah. what comes with that money, basically. Fully deserves it, though. As a guy who's played, my team's played against him the last two years. Fully deserved. That yeah. dude is a monster. And speaking of the draft, Brennan... Yeah, I was having a conversation with two of my co-hosts from Anulo. Don't forget to check out. Just Anulo. so everybody knows, Joe Joe's the producer of the show. Joe put this in the rundown. Don't think this is me wiggling this in because <laughs> I love the draft. Joe put NFL draft in the quick hits, not me. So I was talking with my two producers, and one of with my two producers. I was talking to my two co-hosts, and one of them asked, "Joe, I don't understand why you hate the draft." And I gave the answer that I usually give you. It's dumb. Uh, it's not a game. You're only rooting for one pick of 32. Like, I don't have a rooting interest in the first pick if I don't have the first pick and blah, 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 blah. And it hit me. It hit me why I hate the draft, Brennan. I don't hate the draft. Because I watched it because I told him. I was like, I watched. The thing is, I watch the draft every year. Like, I don't. Now, it's. I I watch it. 
I don't spy watch it. I'm interested in who goes where. There's two things I've realized, though. One thing is about the draft, and the other thing is about myself. The thing I realized about myself is that I hate the lead up to the draft. I hate, I hate, even though I love Mel Kuyper, I hate Mel Kuyper. Even though I love Todd McShay, I hate Todd McShay. I hate all the draft insiders. The mocks, the constant, yeah. they're never right. They are never right. They, they're not going to get it right. Teams are going to do whatever they want. Well, you see, Joe, it's more point. based on, on like a tier on, system. And not tier, you're not going to tear me to death, goddammit. Case in point, <laughs> the draft is on Thursday. It's Monday. I went on ESPN.com and I saw betting favorite DN from Georgia my Walker is moving up is the lead, is the consensus is the new favorite. And I'm like, wait, so for five months, you're telling me it's going to be Ada Hutchinson and in the week of you're going to now change the narrative only because you want a storyline going into the dang draft. So when one of them gets drafted, you can say X, Y, Z did X, Y, Z. And we got it all wrong because we're idiots because we don't know a thing. So that's so that's my personal issue. So the second thing. I realized this yesterday while talking to my girlfriend, Brennan. Do you know what the draft is? I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. The draft. Now, if you're ever doing a comedy show at like a sports bar or something, you can use this. The draft. Oh, okay. Never mind. You're not going where I thought you were going. No, it's not that. It's not that at all. The draft. It's basically a high school graduation. And I've only come to see one person get their name called, but I have to sit through every other student in this goddamn class that I have no care in the world about. I don't care about the valedictorian. Yeah. I don't care. We're only there for one name. Why I'm do here we have for to sit one through name all this? to be yeah. said. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's my issue with definitely the draft. thought you're going another way with that, but definitely that wasn't going that way. Sense. Yeah, I wasn't going that way. But yeah, the draft is a high school graduation. I've come to see my nephew get his cap and gown and walk across the stage, get a diploma. But I got to see ten other kids, sorry, a hundred other kids do what they do as well before I get mine. So it's like, jeez. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank you so much for uh, prefacing my walk off because here we go. Welcome to the big leagues. Hey, yeah, I just realized that it's Cabrera <laughs> and the walk-off. Um, that's cool. Joe, I'm hosting this week, so I'm going to go last. You go ahead and take it away. All right. Mine will be a short, simple rant, which I've been doing all night, basically. So, I titled this rant, Referees. Now, you have your known referees. You have your celebrity referees. I've been watching sports for so long. There's referees that I know. Case in point, we just talked about Angel Hernandez. Horrible, bad reputation. Joe West, horrible, bad reputation. And that's MLB. You got Ed Hockley. You got uh, Dean Blandino. You got all these guys who have name recognition. In the NBA, you got Scott Foster. You got uh, uh, the guy who was gambling on games and whatnot. I can't remember his name. Brennan, if you remember, tell me now, please. I can't remember his name. Come on. Ah, you can't remember. Dang. Can't remember his name right now. Killing me. This weekend, for the first time in my life, I learned, almost thought I had his name. I learned the name 
of a soccer referee. And goodness gracious, I wanted to jump into my phone. Donahue. Tim Donahue, thank you. I wanted to jump in my phone. And there was also that old guy that had beef with Tim Duncan. Jesus Christ, what was that guy's issue? Um, I wanted to jump in my phone and throttle this guy. His name is Graham Scott. He was he's a Premier League Joey referee. Crawford. Joey Crawford, thank you again. He's a Premier League referee, but he was refereeing our game in the Champions League. Now you would think a Premier League referee, you're at the top tier. You're gonna you understand the physicality of the game. You're gonna let things go. You're not gonna call as much. You're gonna let the flow of the game happen. A part of the referee's job is to understand, establish, help establish the flow of the game. You know, don't call any ticky tack thing. Let some things go. You know, we're boys here. We're men here. We're we're gonna play a good game. 41 fouls. I've never seen so many fouls in my life. 10 yellow cards. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I, this game looked like a staccato going on. Every two seconds it was stopping. Every five seconds there's another foul. This guy was so terrible and was so look at me. I was enraged and and not even to get to the final penalty they called to end this game on a draw, basically on a penalty kick leading up to that point. My head was going to explode. And at that point, I just had to toss my phone away because I couldn't watch anymore. Scott, sorry, Graham Scott, you are on my hit list. When we get to the Premier League, because actually we clinched it the last time we recorded. Once we get to the Premier League, if I see you on the sheet, I am not watching that game because I cannot trust you to be a objective party. 25, 26 of those penalties, 26 of those fouls were on us. Seven yellow cards on us. Unbelievable. Jeez, my man's heated. That's you said that number though, and that was shocking even to me. 41. And I'm not as big of a soccer fan as you are. That's insanity. <laughs> That's crazy. For context, All for right. context, uh, in the game already- we lost, in the game we lost that I came to complain about when I said we need to be better, a total of 19 fouls. A total of 19 fouls. This game had 41. Unacceptable. Graham Scott, you're on my hit list. If I see you out in London, you were getting it. On site. It's on site with you. Unacceptable. All right. Joe prefaced my walk off pretty much in the quick hits, but I'm still going to do it. It's called Draft Uncertainty. So, Joe, shout out, and then we'll get out of here. With the draft only a few days away, there's been a drastic change in many mock drafts, Vegas odds, and expectations. Who will go first? As I discussed last week, it was a done deal for the past several weeks that Aiden Hutchinson was going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. With no games played or any type of combine in the past 48 hours, this has seemingly changed overnight. Trevon Walker, another edge rusher, but from the SEC and national champion Georgia defense, is now the betting favorite to go number one. The same person would probably be saying, wait, Nothing has changed. How did the favorite prospect to go number one change? That would be a logical thing thing to ask. You could also be someone like Mike Wilbon or Joe Dorville, who doesn't put much stock in the draft. And you would say, see, this is why the draft doesn't matter. And it never matters until they start playing. But 
This uncertainty is not uncommon in the modern draft era. Most recent, the most recent crazy upset pick at number one was just a few short years ago when the draft was full of quarterback prospects and the Browns took a two-time walk-on with suspect leadership and maturity issues at number one in Baker Mayfield. How does this happen? There are a few reasons. Some of the reasons why we see this happen. First is something referred to in professional sports as a smokescreen. This is when teams picking early know there's a blue chipper and all pro type talent waiting in the wings because for one reason or another, they were overlooked. So they put out feelers and rumors that they're thinking about taking said player to stir up other teams into trading mountains of assets to move up to get their guy. The most recent and obvious smokescreen play can be seen by the Dolphins baiting the 49ers to move up to number three to get Trey Lance or before that, the Bears making their outrageous decision to move mountains to get Mitch Trubisky. This could be the play by Jacksonville because the draft is top heavy on defense and they've used numerous early round picks on that side of the ball for not much long-term success. Another reason for the sudden change is the opposite of a smokescreen. It's a complete misstep by a source in revealing the true number one pick is by a team. Not nearly as common, but it does happen. A key member of the personnel staff leaks something to a buddy. He tells a news outlet, then bam, the true intentions are known. The final major reason this happens is just a lack of time in the scouting department. It takes hundreds of man hours to comb through all the film, look over all the stats. In rare cases, top prospects get overlooked, especially when they're on a defense with nine potential draft picks. And a team doesn't really know what they have in a prospect until they dig in. With the timing of this change, I am led to believe the sudden change for the number one pick is a smokescreen. The team picking first has lots of major needs, and it would make sense baiting a team that thinks it's one pass rusher away from winning it all into grabbing as much draft capital as possible, i.e. the Philadelphia Eagles. But then again, it could be way off because the draft is always full of uncertainty. Bam. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Um, Your Eagles trading all four of their picks in the next two years for the number one pick. Stop it. So, all right. I think Miguel Cabrera is one of three people, if I have this correct, who has 3,000 hits. So 3,000 hits, there's 33 people. 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, seven people. I think to have over a 300 bad and average, it is him, Hank Aaron, and Willie Mays. Who's Willie Mays? Brennan? Not sure. That was a joke. Just kidding. Moving on. And we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. Joe, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorva. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorva. I think I just said that two different ways, the same same thing. Uh, you can check out my website, JoeDorva.com, for my music and my merch. Uh, don't forget to check out Anulo.co for all your other podcast needs. You need Silly Wacky. You need Archive of Hamilton. You need some scientific shit with a spin. It's all there for you. Brennan. All right. Uh, Brennan T comedy on all social media, Brennan T comedy.com. Check out my other podcast. Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Just search ex drinking buddy on all social media and you'll find me. Uh, I have guests on. We talk about crazy fun and horrific drinking stories, drug stories, getting in trouble stories, all sorts of fun stuff. So check that out. Ex drinking buddy on all platforms. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right, Bren, get me out of here so I can drink some tea so I can stop yelling. There we go. And that's why we play the game. Hello. Hello.
below. Huge shout out, Iki Kwanu. You need to be the number one pick on Thursday. I want you to be the number one pick on Thursday. Huge shout out, Leah Gales. You have been listening to the Anulo Podcast Network. We have four tremendous podcasts on our current roster. If you like the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, then you also might enjoy hearing the Ham Boys rank every song from the Hamilton soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast with hosts Headphone Joe and Kyle Loader. Get your sports talk radio fix with Cheers from the Press Box featuring Headphone Joe Dorville and stand-up comedian Brennan Tassif. Curious about how the brain works? Get your neuroscience knowledge with some laughs at Misbehavior Journal Club. This fortnightly science-slash-comedy podcast is where two lady researchers bring you the latest studies on behavior. It stars Amiel Moreno and Leah, a.k.a. Leah, or vice versa, Crevet. Finally, we have a new low. The podcast has started it all. This show features Farzad, Headphone Joe, Kyle Loader, L. Greg, and Scott by Scott. They discuss anything and everything depending on their moods or their level of sobriety at the time. Thank you for supporting the Anulo Network, and feel free to share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Thanks again, and goodbye.